Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. This is your first time with us. We just like to have a lot of fun. We just like to be family and not be so serious all the time. So thanks for bearing with us. Hey, this morning, I want to talk to you guys. I want to talk to us about something that God has been speaking to me about for a couple months, um, something that I think we all might uh, deal with at some point in our life, and something that I believe um, can withhold us from our destiny. I want to talk about this idea of comparison. Now, if you're visiting, you're like, oh, great, they're doing topical sermons. They don't know the word of the Lord. No, we're going to get in scripture. We're going to read the word. It's going to be expository, topical, and glorious. So don't you worry, okay? All right? Uh, Theodore Roosevelt had a great quote. He said, comparison is the thief of joy. You've probably heard that quote before. I actually want to propose to you this morning uh, that comparison is actually the thief of calling. Comparison uh, is the thief of destiny. Comparison is the thief of creativity. Comparison uh, will withhold things from your destiny that I believe God wants to release and for you to see this morning. So I'm super excited to be sharing with y'all. One of our values here at Presence OC is equipping powerful people. And in order to equip powerful people, we got to get around other powerful people. But we got to understand what is the power within us that is powerful and how do we tap in to that power? I'll never forget you guys. I'll be vulnerable for a second. I actually preached on being powerful people probably about two years ago, two and a half years ago at a conference. Um, And it wasn't a huge conference, but I've never received so many questions after a sermon because people did not understand that they were powerful. It was incredible. I I literally, and I wasn't offended at all. My heart was actually really sad because they'd come up and they'd say, I've I've never heard I'm powerful before. Where does it say that in the Bible? I'm like, well, clearly you weren't listening to my sermon. (laughs) But it is this thing that I feel like might be new um, to to people who haven't yet fully walked in their identity or haven't uh, fully gone into just intimate relationship with Papa God. And so this morning, my goal is that you will leave understanding a little bit more of who you are, a little bit more of who God is, a whole lot more of who God is, and the destiny and call on your life. Another one of our values is to transform culture with the love of Jesus. But in order to transform culture with the love of Jesus, we have to know who we are. We have to be confident with who we are, with what God's called us to, with what God's gifted us with. You will never transform culture if you don't first start with transforming yourself. This is why in scripture, it says we must renew our minds daily. God knew we need to renew our minds daily in order to transform our hearts, ourselves, and transform culture. But see, comparison Comparison will keep you disorganized, distracted from what you're called to do. Comparison will keep you focused on anything and everyone else besides what God has called you to look forward to. 
Comparison will be the death of your destiny. And so today, I wanna resurrect that. If you've walked in here and you felt like, I'm just not worthy enough, I'm just not called to this, I just see what everybody else is doing, um, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll never forget, um, <laughs> well, maybe I'll share that story another time. You know, in a time where we, we you think if you're like, is this God? No, it's not God, I won't share that. Um, <laughs> In a time that we, we live in, we live in one of the most amazing times. Congratulations, you're alive in this time. But we have Instagram and we have Facebook and Snapchat and LinkedIn and Periscope and YouTube and this and that. And honestly, I resonate. I understand that it's hard not to compare your life with everyone else's. You can, you can wake up and read your newspaper, AKA Facebook, in bed, and before you've even gotten out of bed, somebody else done woke up three hours before you, they've done worked out, they've gone, gone to the park, they've already wrote a book, and you're waking up and you're like, oh shoot, oh, I'm worthless. <laughs> I slept in till 8.30, they've been up since five. It's easy to compare your life to what's going on on everyone else's highlight reel. You know, there's a saying, you can compare your backstage to everyone's highlight reel and you can be very quickly discouraged. Very quickly discouraged. I'm gonna be reading out of two pieces of scripture today. Hebrews 12, one through two and 1 Samuel 18, five through nine. If you have a Bible with you this morning, get that out. If you have your phones on you and you have the Bible app, go ahead and open that up. Hey, if, if you don't like carrying your Bible around, cool, download the Bible app. But you guys, it is so cool to have a tool on your phone everywhere you go. The word of God can be with you. Uh, so, so download that app. It's free. It's awesome. I'd let you get on your phones during church. This would not happen back home. So do it. So I'm going to start in, in Hebrews here, 12, one through two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Everyone say set before us. Looking to, in some versions say, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For who the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. I love this visual of running. I love this visual of running in this race, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. When I met Paris, my husband in college, um, (laughs) I'm always, whenever I read Hebrews, I always think of this story. He uh, he was a man that believed in courtship. I think y'all might have heard me talk about this before. So he didn't date, because that wasn't biblical. He courted. And so he was, he was telling me about courtship. Is it okay that I'm sharing this? I didn't even ask. I'm good. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> um, so he's telling me about courtship and really honoring God, you know, all that good stuff. And he says to me, listen, here's kind of a picture of what courtship looks like. He's like, I'm running in a race and I'm headed towards Jesus. And you can come along 
You can join me, but that's where I'm going. And you're not going to stop me and you're not going to slow me down. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) marry me. (laughs) I love a confident man who loves the Lord. I tell you what, but I thought it was so profound. And I, and so I said, just being who I am, I said, well, well, I'm kind of clumsy. So, so what if I fall down? What if I don't run as fast as you? What if I trip? He says, well, well, I'll come back and I'll help you up and, you know, I'll give you a little lift, but I'm headed towards Jesus and I ain't waiting on you. (laughs) And I thought, yes, put a ring on it. But, but as, as I think about, love you guys, as I think about this imagery, as I think about running in this race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I'm reminded of that. And, and honestly, when we have the mindset of looking forward and not being so focused or entangled with what's on the side, what's going on over here with John and Sally and who's done this and who's done that, I actually believe that we can run in all that we were created to be. We can run faster Not that we can't stop and take a breath or stop and help or whatnot, but nothing is going to prevent us from running the race. Nothing is gonna prevent us from keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and going. And I really do believe there there was a creativity conference this past weekend. Anybody go? A couple of y'all went. They're probably at home sleeping, uh, getting rest from from this weekend. But um, I do believe that comparison will kill the creativity in your life. You're all creative beings. You were created by the creator who's quite creative because he made the heavens and the earth and the trees and the mountains and the ocean. And he put the sand and the leaves and the flowers in the field. He's pretty dang creative. And you're made in his image, which means if you're made in the creator's image and you're a masterpiece, you're creative. You were born to create. But, but hear me say this, if we constantly look to what so-and-so, what they're creating, what they're doing, we're gonna kill that creativity inside of us because it is specific to us. Now, you, you might be really great at drawing and so-and-so might be really great at drawing, but God's put in your heart a different type of drawing. He's actually, he's actually put visuals and pictures in your heart to create things that he's not put in other people. So it's not that you can't share similar creative elements, but it's that nobody else was born to carry your creativity. And this idea of running this race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus is beautiful because I I just think as we continue to renew our mind with the Father, as we continue to look forward, um, it'll be an easier race than we expect. We think of race and we think of competition. And that's not necessarily true. That's actually not the definition of a race. A few years ago, I, um, I'm originally from Kentucky and there's an organization called Refuge for Women. They're incredible. They, they help women who um, have been um, trafficked or who are coming out of the sex industry and they provide housing and it's amazing. They give counseling and everything to these girls. And um, <laughs> they used to come to Vegas every year and the girls that came out of Vegas would go back and they would run in this half marathon or marathon to reclaim the city. 
How rad is that? They'd actually go back to where they sold their life to sin and they would reclaim that city with Christ. Really rad. What's really cool, plug for them, they just put a house or they're getting a house in Huntington Beach. So they're now gonna be local. So if you guys have a heart for that, let me know. But, um, but I was out there a, a couple years ago and I uh, just went out to support them. I just wanna go cheer them on, uh, hang around Vegas with them, reclaim that city with them, empire them, uh, be there at the finish line to say, yeah, you did it. And this one night, there's probably five or six ladies. One night, this, this lady came to me and uh, she said, you know, Nicole, um, I really felt like tomorrow you're supposed to run this race with us. <laughs> now, me being really sweet, um, internally, I was like, you are crazy. I haven't run a mile in over a year. Uh, externally, I said, oh, you're so sweet for wanting me to run with you. Um, Gosh, you know what? I, I, I haven't trained. I haven't run a mile in a long time, but thank you so much for thinking of me. She crazy. She is crazy. And she goes, well, I really, I really felt like I heard God say, you were gonna run this race with, race with us. And I'm thinking, I really think this girl is crazy. She does not hear from the Lord at all. She goes, will you pray about it? We just pray and see if God will have you run this race. I said, mm-hmm, I'm gonna pray she learns how to hear from the Lord better because that girl does not hear from the Lord. <laughs> she needs to get in the, the intimate place with him and hear better because she's not hearing from him. <laughs> so, so I went to bed that night. <laughs> Crazy girl, she's sweet. Uh, she, she just found Jesus, so she's, you know... So I go to bed and, and I have a dream that night. Don't pray for dreams unless you really want them, you know? So I have a dream that night that I'm actually running in this race. So I wake up and I'm mad. I'm like, God, how am I gonna run in this race? I don't even know if I brought tennis shoes. I just came to cheer them on. I can't run. I haven't run a mile in a year. Like how in the world, I can't walk it. I'll be there all day and all night. What in the world? I just felt like I was supposed to, to run this race. So I was real mad at that girl. I'm like, she probably interceded on behalf of me all night, got the Lord to convince me to run this race. So I, I think I literally brought like some janky old tennis shoes. I don't even know what I ran in. And, and I remember I, I get like a mile in and I'm like, Isaiah 4 says, run and don't grow weary. Lord, you better help me not grow weary. I'm tired. I ain't even two miles in. I'm ready to quit. And I'd get another mile and, and I'd say, Lord, well, Psalms 120 says, I will not be distressed. I will put my hope in you. Lord, I need all your hope because I'm distressed, distressed. I mean, it was, you guys, I'm literally, I'm like, this was, I'm only 30. This was like three, four years ago. I was young. I'm young. Like, Lord, I pray for my knees. God, help me get past, you know, this next mile. I kid you not. I mean, it was, I was that person that everybody's probably running by. Like, girl, she, she did not read the manual. She did not train. That was me. But I'm competitive. Y'all, I'm competitive. My husband says that um, I'm very persuasive and I'll convince anybody of anything, even when I don't know what I'm talking about. It's, it's really a gift. Did the senior leader just say, yep? Oh, his wife did. Okay, hey. I'm competitive though, so I put my mind on something. I'm gonna run that race however I need to run that race. You know what I mean? And I lock eyes with this lady. She's like kind of ahead of me and 
I lock eyes. I can only kind of see her from behind. And I'm like, well, she's not going that fast. I'm just going to keep up with her. If I can keep up with her, perfect. She's not going super fast. She doesn't look like she put in all her training. She's got a little bit of, she's got good shoes on, but okay, I'm going to keep up with her. So in my head, I'm like, hey girl, how long you trained for? You know, and I'm like, how long you been training for? And here she is all cute. You know those Pinterest, have y'all seen those Pinterest pictures? They're like, what you think you look like when you're running? And it's like, and it's like what you really look like, <laughs> you know? But so I'm having this whole competitive conversation in my head with this lady. And I get about, I don't even know, mile 10 or 11 or something. And I see her like veering off to the side. And, and, and during this whole time, I couldn't keep up with the girl. I, I take a breath. <sighs> All right, I'm gonna catch up with you, girl. And I'd run and I'd catch up there. And then I had to. <sighs> All right, I'm, there she is. Next pole, I'm going. And, I, and that, the, in the entire way, I'm doing that. And then probably like mile 10, 15 or something, I see her kind of veer off to the side and it looks like her husband and some friends are like, good job, you got to where you want. I'm like, girl, you cannot quit now. What are you doing? And she turns and the lady looks like she's about to pop out a baby at any mile. She is pregnant. <laughs> Y'all, this lady is pregnant. <laughs> like she might have been leaving to go to the hospital and give birth. I don't even know. But I thought, oh, that's good, Nicole. I've been keeping up with a pregnant lady. <laughs> it was not one of my proudest moments. Um, bless her father. I couldn't believe it. I was like, for real? Come on. Don't run. I mean, maybe it was good for her. I don't know. Anyways, I got to thinking about that story and I wondered, huh, how often do we do that? Hmm, how often, maybe not a pregnant person, but how often do we look to other people to let us know if we're successful or not? How often do we run just close enough behind someone else to determine if we're going as fast as we need to go, if we're being as successful as we should, if we're doing what we should? How often do we allow the competition and comparison of other people to determine if we're running the right race? Verse 12 says, to lay aside every weight. The, the, the scripture we just read in Hebrews, we are to lay aside in order to run the race. We are to lay aside every weight. And the, the nerdy moment here, the Greek writers, when they would say this, would actually denote the idea of laying aside extra clothing that's too heavy, that's burdensome that doesn't allow us to get to where we're going or to lose the weight on us physically so that we may run faster. Y'all ever seen Olympic runners? They got like little bitty old shorts on, little bitty old shirt, and they are thin. They ain't got no weight holding them down. But we are, to, we are called to lay aside every weight, any unnecessary burden or clothing, or whatever. I love that Jesse said it, and then Michael said it, the backpacks. We are to lay those aside so that we can keep running the race we've been called. Have y'all ever tried running sideways? 
Well, running while looking sideways. <laughs> I'm clumsy, y'all. If I look sideways for too long, I don't run into a pole or something. But the truth is, I could run from here to that booth, and I could look at y'all, and I could make it. The problem is, I'm going to be more worried in my heart. Am I going to get there? Am I going to trip over anything? Am I going fast enough? I'm going to be slower because I'm looking this way. I'm looking at y'all. I'm not looking ahead, fixing my eyes on that booth. I'm looking at y'all. And so I'm going to be slower. And I'm going to be worried in my heart if I'm going to fall, if I'm going to trip. And the truth is, comparison will distract you from running right into your destiny. Comparison is a distracting tool. It will distract the heck out of you. You will not be able to be creative. You will not understand your identity in Christ Jesus. Comparison will put this like hand on you that slows you down, that weighs you down, and you won't be able to fully run. I want to use the, um, the ex- an, an example of uh, the enemy here for a second. I don't like to talk a lot about him because he's not very fun and he doesn't really have any power. But there's a story in scripture that says that he was once the highest of all the angels. He was the most handsome, most beautiful, it says. He was the most anointed and he was the highest. Can y'all imagine for a second being God's most beautiful most anointed, highest angel in the heavens. And yet what he did is he partnered with jealousy and comparison. They're best friends. Jealousy and comparison are BFFs. They are. And what, what do we know about him? I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna read some scripture to you guys. He says, well, I'll take the place of God. I'll ascend into heaven, Acts. I'll exalt my throne, Revelation. I want to govern heaven, Isaiah. I want to ascend into the heights, Philippians. I want to be the most high, Genesis. And what we learn is because he partnered with jealousy and comparison, he got casted out. And look at what his life was. The most beautiful, the most anointed, the highest angel. And yet comparison led him down a really ugly road. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, comparison is unwise, foolish, and silly. Now, why does Paul tell us that? Because it's unwise, it's foolish, and it's silly. And if we have that helmet of, of this is unwise, this is foolish, this is silly, we can throw it off and we can keep running. Y'all, God did not send his son to die on the cross for you to spend the rest of your life comparing to so-and-so. He did not die on the cross for each person in this room for you to question if he's called you to be a son or a daughter, for you to question if you're creative, for you to question if he has a call in your life, for you to compare your life and be jealous over somebody else's social media. He died so that you would have life and life in abundance. And it is not an abundant life to be constantly comparing and weighing yourself down. I want to read to you guys. Is this okay? I kind of imagine myself when I preach, I kind of imagine myself a football coach. 
okay? I'm like, come on into the game. Let me wipe the dirt off your face. Let me squirt some water in your face. Let me give you a little tap. Get your booty back in that game. Like, that's how I imagine myself. So if I sound mean, I'm not. I'm just like, ready to go. I want to equip you guys. Uh, 1 Samuel 18. Turn with me there. 1 Samuel 18, verse 5. says this. This is the story of David. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. As a result, Saul sent him over the army and all the people and all the servants of Saul he approved. As they were coming home, when David returned from killing the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and songs of joy with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they made merry, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry for the saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David 10,000s and to me only thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul, I, David, from that day on, just a quick snippet. Saul was the first king of Israel. He was the first king of Israel. He looked like a king. He stood tall like a king. He was good looking. I love when the Bible says people were good looking. Like you've made it. You've officially made it. God blessed him to be the king. But Saul's jealousy and comparison blinded him to the call on his life. And instead of building up Israel, he wasted most of his time just chasing David around in the hills, being jealous and comparing his life. Here's the deal. He took the blessing, the call that was on his life, the race that he was to run, and he allowed that little song to ring and ring and ring and ring and ring in his ear, and he looked to David and he missed it. He missed it. He was weighed down. And, and most of you probably know a little bit about David, but David, oh, he's awesome. Little old David. David just, he just hung out in the fields and sang love songs to God with his little harp. And he slung his little slingshot for fun. That was his hobby. Um, and, and he just, he loved God. And scripture says that he would talk with God and he would hang out with God and God would, would reveal his will to David. Little harp playing David. That's how I imagine him, like, skipping in the fields, playing his harp, you know? And Scripture says that one day while visiting his brothers in the army, Goliath comes out in front of the camp. And Goliath starts talking all this smack about God. And little old harp playing, slingshot slinging David, he's like, you're not going to talk smack about my God. And in the back of his ear, he heard that someone said, whoever takes out Goliath will have favor with the king and will have a wife. So David's like, plus, you ain't gonna talk smack about my God. Put me in, put me in. Little heart playing, singing David, put me in. And everybody's like, well, I don't know, David. Like, you're kind of small and you're not really prepared. And you're not trying, put me in. He's not gonna talk smack about my God. So they put all this armor on him because they're used to it, because when they would go to fight and they go to battle, they put all this armor on. And so they put all this armor on David and he gets out there and he realizes, gosh, this is kind of weighing me down. This is too much. I'm not used to this. I'm used to singing in the fields, you know, singing to God, hanging out with him, using my little slingshot. I only know the presence of God in my slingshot. (laughs) 
my hobby my whole life has just been seeking the presence of God and 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 doing my hobby (laughs) flinging my slinging my I don't even know how you say my slingshot and so he takes off the armor and says he 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 hit Goliath with his slingshot and he ran over and he got the sword and he cut off Goliath's head he only knew what he was used to his, his heart's desire was just seeking the presence of God and having fun. Isn't it awesome we actually get to have fun with God? The ministry in your life, the call in your life, it should actually be fun. If it's not fun, don't do it. It's not worth it. I love the verse. It says, says this about David and Goliath. It says, David says, you come at me with sword and spirit, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. And then he flung his little slingshot and and killed him. And I wonder if in that moment, little singing David just remembered the times in the field with God. And he just remembered just the presence of God and God revealing his will to him and him just singing songs, love songs unto God. And in that moment, he thought, I know who I am. I don't need this armor. I got my little slingshot. I've done spent time with God. I've already been prepared. I'm ready. I don't need any of this extra stuff. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. He, he was so caught up in the presence of God when he was a nobody that when he became a somebody, it didn't take him out. He was so caught up in the presence of God, just spending time with God that when he became a somebody, when they started to cheer and write songs about him, I mean, he had made it. They, they're probably selling slingshots and promoting it on Instagram and everybody knew about David after that. But, but he, he spent time and in intimacy in the presence of God so that he could run his race and do it well. <clears throat> Verse eight is where those, those songs, the women, I'll read it to you again. The women were singing. says, the women sang as they made merry. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Poor Saul. I mean, you do got to feel a little, little sympathy for him. Like then I'm singing a song about David. Like that's kind of messed up. But Saul allowed comparison and jealousy to get to him. He allowed what some few people was saying, was singing about him to get to him. And it ruined the destiny of the call in his life. You guys get that this morning? I can only imagine. Saul's like, 10,000s? Well, well, I thought that I was a good warrior. Well, I thought that I was a king. Well, I thought that I was called. Well, I thought, well, I, well, I, well, I. And he just got caught up. Well, I thought, well, what about me? Well, well, what about my ministry? Well, what about my calling? Well, what about my new things? Well, what about my? And he kept his eyes on the side and not focused, not fixing his eyes on Jesus. That's today's lingo. But what about, what about me? Well, they're doing that. I thought that I was called to that. I must not be called to that now because they're doing it. What about me? Oh, well, they got married and had kids a lot earlier than I did, and they didn't even want to get married and have kids, and I do, and I'm not married, and I don't have kids yet, but what about me? 
Well, they got a job right out of college and I'm still looking for a job and gosh, this, this must not be my calling. I don't even know why I spent thousands of dollars going to debt to go to college. What about me? Will they get the microphone? Will they get to be in front? What about me? What about me? Jealousy, comparison, jealousy, comparison. The very interesting thing, if you dig deeper into uh, th- this type of poetry that these women were singing, Again, let me have a geeky moment for just a second. When you understand Hebrew poetry, when you understand what these ladies were doing, they were actually just amplifying the second number. So an example of this would be if I said, um, if my son came to me and said, mom, um, can I have 10 quarters? And I said, oh, well, I can give you 10 quarters, but your dad can give you lots and lots, tens of hundreds of thousands of quarters. Go ask him. I would kind of amplify, I would exaggerate a bit. And actually, that's what these ladies were doing. That's what Hebrew poetry was used to. You you amplify the second number. So Saul got so caught up and so wrapped up in what these ladies were saying, and that's just the way that they wrote poetry. But he allowed what they said to get to him because he was looking sideways. On the sides, you'll find lies. On the sides, you will find lies. And you are called to renew your mind daily. You are called to renew your mind daily and fix your eyes upon Jesus. And I'll leave you guys with this this question. Who are you racing? Who are you looking to to tell you who you are? Is it Jesus or is it somebody else on the sides? Who are you allowing to tell you you have been called? Who are you waiting on to give you a high five and a slap on the rear to get back in the game? Who are you looking to? We are to lay aside all weight, lay aside any burden, lay aside anything that holds us down, and we are not to conform to the patterns of the world, but to transform our minds fixing our eyes on Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to pray over you guys. Yeah, if you will actually just shut your eyes. And I just want you to imagine fixing, fixing your eyes on Jesus just right now. Imagine yourself in a race. Imagine yourself running towards him. Father, I just thank you that you have set this race before us ahead of time. God, I thank you uh, that each person in this room is called, is worthy. Father, right now, I break off any lie that says otherwise. Father, I pray for the renewing of the minds in this room, for those online, the renewing of your mind, because I believe it will set you free. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would rid them of comparison and of any jealousy right now, that you would give them clear vision for their life, that they would know exactly what you've called them to, Father, that they would run creatively. Yeah, God, just thank you. Father, we just pray all this in your holy, holy name. Amen. 
You guys, as we seek his presence, we'll find our purpose. If you're in here and you're wondering, what the heck am I doing? You might be 75, you might be 17. There's no age limit. As you seek his presence, you will find your purpose. Just sing love songs. Just, just think of David. Just sing love songs to God and seek him. Seek him, seek him. Just seek his presence above anything else. The scripture says to fix our eyes upon Jesus and to think of things that are worthy of praise. Worthy of praise. Seek his presence and you'll find your purpose. Seek his presence and you'll find your position. Just seek him. Actually, just before we end here, I want to, um, if you are in here this morning and you're like, yeah, I need that, or I, I want to understand my purpose more, I want to seek him more in order to, to understand what he's called me to, I want you to stand and I actually want to pray over you. I just feel the presence of God very strongly on this and I want to go after it. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to spend just a couple more minutes so if, if you're like, I want to seek more of his presence in order, in order to understand more of my purpose, I want to give it to him. I want to race faster. I want to lay off anything that is on me that I shouldn't carry. I want you to stand. And you don't all have to stand. Don't, don't feel like that. Only, only if you're like, yes, this is, this, is, this is for me. And if you're sitting, just extend an arm because y'all are on the prayer team right now. So extend your arm towards them. And then I'll have our prayer team come on up during this time too. Father, I thank you for each person standing. God, I thank you that you have given them a specific call on their life that is for them and them alone. God, I thank you that you have positioned them exactly where they need to be, Father. God, I thank you that you see them, that you know them. Father, that you, you fix your, your eyes upon them as they seek you. God, that you... Yeah, I just feel like God is saying, um, I, I see him, I see him, I see him. If you're standing and, and you've ever felt like God just doesn't see, you're like, I'm seeking him, but I'm just not feeling seen. And maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe it's my sin. Maybe it's my blah, 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 blah. I just break that off right now in the name of Jesus. And I say from this day forward, you will have clarity in your life. You'll know exactly what he is saying. So you will hear from him. You will have dreams with him. He will speak to you. Yeah, from this day forward, your life is gonna look incredibly different. So Father, I just thank you for the race that you have set before each person. God, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Yeah, let's give God some praise. Thank you, Father. We're gonna have our prayer team up here. They are amazing. They're incredible. If you need an encouraging word, if you just wanna get more of God, if you just wanna meet an amazing person, come on forward. Um, and also, if, if this is maybe the first time you've ever heard a message like this or you realize like, oh, I was made for a purpose, or maybe you've not given your life to the Lord, I wanna invite you into the family. I wanna invite you into the family. Last week, we had two people give their life to the Lord, and that's our most favorite moment. It's not preaching, if I can be honest. Sharing the word of God is incredible. Sharing the gospel is amazing. It's such an honor and a pleasure to do so. But seeing my brothers and sisters come to the Lord is even better. It's sweeter. So if you're in here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. He died for you.
If you have never, I was on the phone really quick. I was on the phone with somebody and I said, have you ever given your life to the Lord? And they said, well, um, or I said, have you ever accepted Jesus into your heart? Yeah. And <clears throat> I kept talking and I was like, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to press on it. And I just kept talking for a couple minutes. And then I said, wait a minute, when? When did you give your life to the Lord? When did you ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your personal Lord and Savior? And they said, well, I haven't. I said, oh, awesome, you want to? It's gonna change everything. And she gave her life to the Lord on the phone. So, so if you have never personally said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life as my personal Lord and Savior, you guys, there, there, there's not like a, an application to fill out. There's not like training you gotta go through. Like, it's free. It's already been done. It's good. So if that's you, I want you to come forward. I want you to come meet one of these amazing people. Let them know I just gave my life to the Lord. We'll give you a Bible. I wanna pray over you. I wanna bless you. I wanna answer any questions you have, okay? So I love you guys. Have a fabulous, fabulous Sunday and go see a home group this week. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.